Welcome to She's Running, the podcast all about women who are running for office, from school board to Senate and everything in between. I'm Emily Jackson. Today's guest is Tabitha Eisner, who is running for U.S. Representative in Alabama's 2nd District. Now, if you've been at all paying attention to the news lately, you'll know that there is a pretty big Senate race happening soon in Alabama. Very soon, actually. Literally next Tuesday. So naturally, Tabitha and I talked about the political atmosphere in our state because, I mean, how could we not? The outcome of this race has political implications for both Republicans and Democrats, for the president, and most importantly, for women. The election of an accused child molester signals to women all over the country that our accusations, our injustices, our abuses matter less than political strategy. Already, the women who have accused Roy Moore have been belittled, accused of playing politics, and so much worse. If a man accused of assaulting a 14-year-old child is elected to the U.S. Senate, then that is a giant megaphone yelling, your voice doesn't matter, to women everywhere. So yeah, I have a few feelings about this candidate, but no matter what the outcome is, it is not the end of politics in Alabama or, in fact, for the rest of the country. There will still be amazing women running for office in order to make our country better. So, even if the outcome of this one race isn't the one we want, we will not give up. Because women like Tabitha need our support, right? Right. All right, before we get started, let's go ahead and introduce you. So who are you and for what are you running? My name is Tabitha Eisner and I am running for U.S. Congress to represent Alabama's second congressional district. And where in the state is that located? It is the entire southeast portion of the state, including the Wiregrass. Um, and it also includes a sliver of Montgomery and uh, two additional counties north of Montgomery. So it's a fairly gerrymandered district. It sounds really big. It is 10,000 square miles. Whoa. Yes, the biggest district in Alabama. How many districts are there total in Alabama? There are seven. Okay, that's not very many. (laughs) No, it's not. It's not. But mine looks like about a fourth of the state geographically. Okay. And when is your election day? November of 2018. So you've got a little bit, but it is quickly getting here. Yes, I'm sure it will come before I know it. (laughs) So why did you decide to run? Well, you know, I was raised uh, to believe that every one of us is called to serve in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And I took that very seriously um, from my earliest days. And, you know, that was really taught to me in church. And so I um, did go to seminary and get trained to be a pastor And so I have considered um, ministry, I've considered myself, I've been ordained and I consider myself a minister and have served in a variety of different capacities. And to me, running for Congress is just another ministry Mm -hmm. um, where I'm serving a much bigger congregation. Um, But it's much like pastoral care where you're called to listen to people, to hear their cries, their laments and to advocate on their behalf um, for a better tomorrow. Why did you decide to run for this seat rather than, you know, something local or statewide? Absolutely. Well, I do feel like 
our problems as a country right now um, really are at a national level. Um, mm -hmm. I, they're happening at every level, um, but I see the pressure, particularly in Washington, where our elected representatives have just gotten a bit lost, I fear, and have become jaded, hopeless, um, and perhaps corrupted by the system around them. So I think now is a time for a fresh wave of people uh, to head to Washington and see if we can't regain um, that sense of uh, national unity uh, that we all long for. So what's your day job? Huh. I work as a soft at a software company. I'm a business mm -hmm. analyst. Um, so we build software that's used by state governments to manage the Child Care Development Fund block grant and the initiatives included in that block grant. Uh, so mm -hmm. very niche kind of software, but I'm um, delighted every day to get to talk with folks from um, about 10 different states around the country and help them to figure out how better to care for young children and support uh, the child care providers that care for young children. And how are you managing like both working a full-time job and campaigning and like all your family stuff? Like, what, what is your process for juggling all those balls? Well, I recommend that you find a really wonderful spouse <laughs> um, it is very difficult. Um, so I have a very wonderful spouse um, who understands and supports me and knows that both of us are at our best when we are following our calls. Uh, so he's been wonderful. And I also have a great boss uh, who recognizes this as a call for me as well and has been supportive and understanding of me being uh, flexible with my time. Um, and my son is really the reason, you know, he's a motivating factor to me and inspiration to me every day to keep doing this work. And so mm -hmm. the time that I get to spend with him while it's less um, than I used to is so much richer because I just appreciate him so much more. And uh, I think it really helps me to stay centered and focused on why it is um, that I want to do this work. Does he go campaigning with you? Like yes, he does. This morning, sometimes this morning he went with me, and uh, he, it, he yesterday he watched us film some commercials, and it's been really fun to watch him learn about it and start to understand how the process of elections and campaigns works. Mm -hmm. So, I know looking at the Alabama political situation right now, it seems just bananas. <laughs> <laughs> is it does it feel that way like being in the state yes it feels <laughs> it feels bananas um yeah um it's you know it's easy to no matter whether you live in Alabama or somewhere else it's easy to live in a bubble mm -hmm. and just hang out with other people who think the way that you do and to start and I think doing that makes us feel even more indignant and even more distanced from people who feel differently but um, I think one of the great things about the community here is that um, I do regularly interact with people who see the world differently than me. And that has been such a blessing to me, um, again, to keep me 
um, to pop that bubble, to keep me centered on the fact that the people on the other side um, also believe deeply in what they are working towards and um, to try and get then past the finger pointing and the blaming to say, how did this happen? Mm -hmm. That people have such different realities and are unable to imagine that the other side is true. Uh, And I think that's been an important, uh, important process for us here in Alabama. And I hope it means uh, that we're really facing some demons that have plagued us for a long time and that this election is giving us an opportunity to bring those issues out into the open air and uh, figure out who we're going to be moving, who we are, who we are going to be as we move forward. Mm-hmm. So what is the process of like filing and running and campaigning been like for you so far? Oh, challenging. Um, so, you know, it's funny. I did pursue training uh, before Mm -hmm. I did this. Uh, I did some Emily's List training and I did training with Emerge and both were wonderful. And I did the She Should Run um, online training as well. And they were all great, but none of them told me how to do Congress, how to run for Congress. Mm -hmm. And um, so ultimately it came down to a whole lot of time spent with Google Um, reading documents and searching the uh, FEC website, trying to get a good handle on it. And then there's a leap of faith at some point where, um, you know, you can only talk to so many people before you have to just go ahead and and do it. File those papers and hope that you've done it correctly. And uh, it really is a leap of faith. And I think that's something that women in particular tend to be nervous about, you know, making a mistake. And we want to really make sure that we understand something fully before we turn it in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think men think that way. And I think we have to get, we have to, to be brave and be willing to make mistakes and expect that the world won't end if we do. And just to jump in with both feet, I think is uh, key to increasing the number of women in politics. Did you grow up in Alabama? I did not. I grew up here, there, and everywhere. Texas, Illinois, Indiana, Missouri, Kentucky, Minnesota. (laughs) (laughs) Quite a few places. Um, And so I have seen seen a lot of different places, but I'm happy to call Alabama home. Mm -hmm. What made you settle there? Um, My husband was called to a church here. And uh, my mom lives in Mississippi, and so we had gotten a little uh, taste of the South and really enjoyed being down here. And so the idea of being closer to my mom and of being back into the warmer climate and uh, the Southern culture was very appealing to us. And the church was a good fit, so we Mm -hmm. were happy to make the move. So what obstacles have you faced in your run so far? Mm. Well, uh, I think there's a certain sense uh, that it can't be done, that certain things just cannot happen for us, particularly here in Alabama for Democrats. And um, that kind of negativity, that sense of hopelessness has really taken hold here for, uh, for us in Alabama. And 
so a number of people have said to me, this is so wonderful, but you must realize that you can't win. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel sorry for those folks because I think we we count ourselves out far too easily. My seat, for example, um, the man who ran in 2016 lost by only eight points. And he raised, uh, he had less than $36,000 that he spent during the course of the campaign. Mm -hmm. And that really came from his own funds, um, not fundraised in the community. And there wasn't much of an organization. And I think if his opponent, of course, the incumbent, uh, had over $2 million that she spent on her campaign. So to be within eight points when we're fighting Goliath with a tiny little, um, tiny little budget of 36,000, no wonder, um, no wonder we lost by eight points, but doesn't that tell us that if we, if we could strengthen ourselves and fight with as much, um, as much fervor and as much organization, uh, as our opponents, I think we could win. And I think it's it's frustrating and disappointing to see how many folks have given up on the possibility uh, that change can happen. That sounds like it would be just exhausting to hear that over and over. Like, yes, this is a great thing, but it's never going to happen. How do you combat that? Well, I try and explain to people the um, the bigger picture that, you know, you Rome was not built in a day. And the Alabama Democratic Party will not be rebuilt in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to start somewhere. And uh, Doug Jones and his run against Roy Moore, this is a great place to start. Our communities have really come together. Incredible things are happening. Um, I know so many people who are volunteering multiple days a week to work on Doug Jones's campaign And these are structures and organizations that did not exist before. So we are building a new Democratic Party, a new um, way of working together and being together and um, engaging with one another that we've not done in a long time. So I think, um, you know, we are building the foundation with Doug Jones's campaign. And I am proud to be part of the next chapter of that building process. And will we reach the end of the process by November 2018? I don't know. But I do know that we won't get to our goal if we don't keep building, keep putting forward strong candidates who are willing to do the fundraising and do the organizing and not get discouraged. Have you found that there's been the same kind of, I guess, political awakening Uh where you are, like, I know I'm in Texas. And for a long time, you know, Texas has been a red state. But it's lots of things are happening. And people are saying, you know, there's, there's a lot of evidence here that says Texas is in a red state. It's a non voting state, people just Mm. don't Mm. come out and vote. And so there's this, a lot of exciting young, you know, candidates, a lot of exciting female candidates happening now Mm -hmm. is the same thing happening in in some of the, you know, the other deep red Southern states, do you feel? That's a great question. Um, you know, it's hard, it's hard for me to speak well about it. It's kind of like how to to describe yourself from a younger day. Um, you know, it, it, to a certain extent, it feels like it's been 
fomenting. It's been bubbling for some time now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely think there has been a little bit more bravery in the last year. Um, and perhaps it's because of Trump. Um, but I think a lot of it has to do with this new awareness of the divisions in our society that whether or not Trump had been elected, that election cycle just showed us how divisive politics can be and how um, things that we thought were in, in our past, like open rallies of the KKK and the alt-right, mm-hmm. we thought those things were over and they're not. And I think that has been... Um, has brought a lot of people courage to say, I didn't, I thought I could sit back and things would continue to move forward. You know, we know that the arc of justice is long, but it bends, or the arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. I think a lot of us were just waiting for it to bend and not realizing that it bends because we pull on it, mm-hmm. because we grab it and we take hold. Um, so I do think um, the kind of cultural events of the last um, 18 months or so have brought people a new awareness and a new courage. But there's still a lot of fear here in the South about coming out and saying that you're not a Republican. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <there is. laughs> honestly, there's still a lot of fear about that. Yeah. So why you and why right now? Yeah. Um, so why me? I work so hard. Uh, I wish my mom were here. She did. She gives this speech very well about me. Um, but when I was in the, just as an example, when I was in the second or third grade, um, my teacher called home to my mom and said, you know, Tabitha's been missing recess. And my mom said, that's very odd. She's such a good student. What in the world would she be missing recess for? And she said, well, I've told the children that they can't go to recess until they turn in their work and they need to feel confident about it before they turn it in. And so Tabitha has been doing her homework, checking her homework, double checking her homework, illustrating her homework, (laughs) (laughs) and she's missing recess happily just sitting there working away on this worksheet for far, far too long. And my mom said, well, you you have met my daughter. That is her. (laughs) She will miss recess to make sure she does it as thoroughly and perfectly as possible. Um, So to a certain extent, I feel like, why me? Because why wouldn't you want somebody who is just so obsessive about their work that they will miss recess? Um, (laughs) uh, But I also think me because uh, we need unity right now. And, um, my background in ministry prepares me to to always see each person um, for the beautiful child of God that they are and be able to see past the disagreements um, to the things that unite us and make us one. And we need that real bad in Alabama right now. We need somebody who can bring us together. So why now, um, I think, is that issue of... Um, We are so divided. We need a candidate right now in Alabama who can see past the partisan lines and can help people to love one another and to work on solutions together rather than taking sides. Um, 
the time is now to say our parties have failed us and we have to find a way to either restore them um, to working order or or completely um, revolutionize them so that we have a functioning government and a functioning political system again. Yeah, your background is so interesting. You've got a master's in, what is it, social policy? Public policy. Mm-hmm. Public policy and in? Divinity. Divinity. Yes. So master's in both public policy and divinity. How is that going to like influence the way you look at, I guess, different social issues and things uh, if you are elected to Congress? Yeah. You know, I, I went to school for both of those at the same time. Um, oh, wow. Really? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so very intentionally was pursuing them together, a joint degree program, um, not not simply back to back, because I, I see them as so interconnected, both religion and the public sphere of uh, public policy are about figuring out how do we build a more perfect community. And, um, you know, on the theological side, we talk about that in terms of grace and mercy. We talk about it in terms of um, judgment and uh, in terms of forgiveness. Um, On the public policy side, it's really not so different. We're talking about how do we make social safety nets? And those really are the same thing. Those are about forgiveness. Those are about redemption. Um, those are about giving people a second chance um, to be the the people they want to be and having grace for people who have made mistakes or hit hard times. Um, ultimately, both are about taking care of people and figuring out what how does a community work among people who are fundamentally broken. Um, you know, none of us are going to be able to guarantee that we won't ever make mistakes and that we won't ever need Uh, the support of the community around us. And I think that's true uh, no matter whether you're talking about it in terms of policy or in terms of uh, religious community. That was so beautifully put. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I mean, but it's really, you're right. Both of them are about, you know, helping people, essentially boil down to helping people. Yeah. And it's just such a great and in community. It's rec- both fundamentally recognize that we aren't doing this individually. We are doing this as a nation, as a people, and we committed to each other. We made a covenant with one another when we became citizens of this country, or when we became citizens of our religious groups. We made a covenant that we would care for one another, and I think we've forgotten as a nation about that covenant. Um, that we made an agreement that we would care for one another. Mm-hmm. That's what citizenship is really about. I love that. So where can people get involved with your campaign? I am on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and also at TabithaEisner.com. And that's Tabitha, T-A-B-I-T-H-A. And Eisner is I-S-N-E-R. And I have um, a number of opportunities that are available for folks to get involved, including from afar. Um, So we want to be able to include folks, even if you don't live locally. As I mentioned, my district is 10,000 square miles. Mm -hmm. So we can't all have our meetings in person all the time. 
Um, so if someone would like to be involved from afar, uh, we can make that work. Perfect. And I've got one last question. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you give to a woman who is thinking about running for office? I would say keep thinking about it and don't just think, but start putting things in place. Uh, it's never too early to make sure that you know every um, tastemaker, every influencer in your community. It's never too early to start thinking about who are the people that you would ask for support, that you would want on your kitchen cabinet, giving you advice, um, giving you money, um, giving you connections. It's never too early to think about those things. Um, even if you're not sure what you're going to run for yet, uh, making sure that you know the people in your community who are going to be important allies is so critical to this process. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And that's it for today. Huge thanks to Tabitha Eisner for chatting with me. She's a progressive female candidate running in a deep red state. Go show her some love on social media. You can find her on Facebook at Tabitha Eisner for Congress. That's I-S-N-E-R. On Twitter, she's at Tabitha K. And her campaign website is TabithaEisner.com. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoy it, tell a friend. And if you'd like a She's Running campaign button, all you have to do is rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Then shoot me an email at she'srunningpod at gmail.com, and I will send you your very own She's Running swag. If you know of an awesome woman who is running for office, hit me up on social media and tell me about her. I'm always looking for suggestions, and I will try to talk to as many female candidates as I can. Lastly, you can find and follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at She's Running Pod. That's it for today. Thanks. Talk to you soon.